Welcome to Boldly Bald Women, surviving and thriving in a hair-obsessed world. If you are grappling with the emotional and social impacts of hair loss, whatever the cause, and frustrated with hot, itchy wigs, this is the place for you. Your host, Pam Fitros, international best-selling author of Boldly Bald Women, guides women on a weekly journey from wanting to hide to becoming courageously bold. Pam herself has alopecia universalis, which has caused permanent loss of all body hair. Listen as she shares inspirational stories and interviews with experts offering insight into recovering self-confidence and reclaiming joy. Now, here's your host, Pam Fitros. I'm so glad you could join me today. Last week, we talked about how difficult it is for women to cope with baldness. This week, we're going to talk about the $64,000 question. If it's so difficult for bald women to be bald, why do some of us decide to be boldly bald women? During the 1960s, there was a television game show where the host asked a series of increasingly difficult questions. The prize money doubled with each correctly answered question until the contestants reached the final level with the hardest question, the $64,000 question. The phrase became slang for a particularly difficult question or problem. So here's the $64,000 question for bald women. Why, given the cruelty towards and discrimination against women daring to go bald in public, would any woman in her right mind expose herself to the emotional discomfort and social intolerance of female baldness? Some might answer, no woman in her right mind would make that decision. However, a contraire, mon chéri. There are some excellent reasons why a woman of sound mind would choose to be boldly bald. The first reason is physical comfort. Wigs are hot and itchy. Wearing a wig makes most women who wear them unavoidably self-conscious. Contrast that with a man who, if he's going bald, simply shaves his head to become both physically and socially cool with the same razor stroke. Look around at all the bald men in the movies and magazines, on the streets, and in your extended family. Nobody gives it a second thought. So why shouldn't balding women have the same option of achieving that physical comfort? Exactly. There is no reason they shouldn't. The second reason is freedom of choice. Not all women will choose to be boldly bald. I'm not suggesting they must or even should. Whether for personal preference or for religious reasons, those who choose to cover their heads certainly have every right to do so, just as do men when they choose to wear hair pieces. It's not about the choices one makes. It's about the right to choose without fear of derision or discrimination. That right doesn't come cheap. Pioneering women pay the price every day. They brave the gauntlet of emotional rejection, ridicule, prejudiced, lost opportunities for promotions at best, or lost relationships and employment at worst, taunting, physical bullying, mistaken gender identity, confusion with cancer survivors, misidentification with the often violent youth subculture of white supremacist skinheads, religious faction disapproval, and historical bias. Remember the women who had no right to even cut their own hair? Remember the suffragettes, women joining women and many savvy and secure men to fight for voting rights? 
and the women's equal rights and the gay rights movements in the 70s that walked both in step with and on the heels of the civil rights movement, there is always a price to pay when fighting for change. The difference between those movements and today's boldly bald women's movement is visibility and proximity. Yes, there are over 5 million people with alopecia in the United States alone. About 50% of them are women. But most of those 2.5 million women are invisible via deliberate hiding. Many of those women never reveal their baldness. Standing alone is a lot more intimidating and leaves women more vulnerable than facing social hostility with a host of like-minded people. There is power in numbers. The overwhelming sense of being alone is the number one feeling women have related to me about dealing with hair loss. That's a long way from the we're-in-this-together camaraderie of those other movements. Courageous women around the world are daring to step across the line from acceptable hiding, which, by the way, does not equate to pain-free existence, to unacceptable shining. One here, one there. Women who once believed themselves alone now feel freer to challenge the status quo in their personal relationships, work environments, schools, churches, on city streets, and in every social setting. Of course, in today's world, the Internet affects the potential success of this movement. Women are finding Alopecia Areata Facebook, Alopecia World Facebook, and the National Alopecia Areata Foundation through the Internet. These organizations bring women together with alopecia from all around the world. Suddenly, they're not alone anymore. Suddenly, there are whole communities of people of both genders who understand. People who live with hair loss every day. There are many who have insight to offer. They have solution to problems and tips on increasing community understanding and social acceptance. These are people who get the importance of sharing stories. Women, like the ones who graciously participated in the creation of Boldly Bald Women, the book I authored, know we must have stories to share in order to teach and to support our sisters in the throes of dealing with hair loss, trauma. Such women have learned to love themselves and their baldness, and yes, even come to prefer it. Such women understand there can be no life-changing, uplifting stories of hope for our sisters without the courage to live life openly as a boldly bald woman. They hold their heads high. They smile with confidence. They exhibit gracious understanding for traumatic first reactions of family, friends, employers, employees, and the general public. Didn't we all experience traumatic first reactions to ourselves when we lost our hair? Women with a straightforward spirit are ready to invite questions. They are also uniquely prepared with short, easy-to-understand answers when others ask the inevitable questions. There are amazing women in this world who understand that our baldness gives us an opportunity to step out of our comfort zones, to become ambassadors for baldness. We are the changers of perception who will benefit not only alopecians, but also all women who face baldness for whatever reason in whatever season of their lives. These are women who understand that we live in exciting times. They understand how incredibly cool it is that we take part in an historical change every bit as significant as the suffragettes, civil rights, and gay rights movements. If you think I'm exaggerating, imagine how different your city would look if there were as many openly bald women as there are men. 
and imagine the positive change in the self-esteem of those women and how that change would impact their personal and professional relationships. Imagine the impact freedom from ridicule and persecution would have on each succeeding generation, those future girls and boys who today must deal with the ridicule of baldness as vulnerable children would not experience the intolerance that children do today. If you think the courage of the few to stand up to the many as advocates for open female baldness is not important, if you think this battle is a tempest in a teapot, then go back again to the statistics of how many millions of women have alopecia worldwide. Add to those numbers the women who, through the advances of technology in our fight against cancer, deal with baldness while they are fighting for their very lives. Do you think they also need the negativity directed towards bald women? And what about the young children who deal with hair loss just as their sense of self-value is developing? What if no hair was just another style? Like ponytails, or cornrows, or weaves, or pixie cuts? Who will make that perception become the accepted reality if we don't? There is a third reason for women to risk living openly with baldness. Sometimes unexpectedly wonderful things happen. Here are the stories of women who decided to make a bold change and some of the things that happened as a result. They come from women of all ages, religions, and cultures from all over the world. It is truly a global community. Carol says, there was a lot of consideration that went into my decision to ditch the wig. When I had moved to Ontario, we finally got the internet and I discovered alopecia groups on Yahoo and MSN. I had never really met anyone else with alopecia except a high school friend's mom who avoided talking about it. It was inspiring to see pictures of all these happy, bald alopecians who led normal lives. Socially, this was difficult for my mate as he had never had to deal with rude stares and comments. However, it slowly became easier for both of us. I received much praise from my online communities and am grateful they were there for me to aid my growth. Meeting other alopecians is something I have been doing more lately since I decided I have grown and become strong enough to lead a support group. I was also lucky enough to have lunch with a group of ladies in Toronto and experience seeing bald women like me for the first time. It did take a few years to achieve my current comfort level. I began slowly going out bald in my backyard where only a few neighbors might see me then to the mall, where I had to deal with my new image when I got questions or stared at. Since the beginning of a new website called Alopecia World, I have enjoyed a few great opportunities and continue to be an inspiration to alopecians all over the world. I have written for another book and a Dutch magazine about alopecia. My support group has just celebrated its one-year anniversary and the Children's Alopecia Project. My support group has just celebrated its one-year anniversary. The Children's Alopecia Project, CAP, asked me to be guest speaker at their conference. I did a music workshop with the kids, teaching them how to express themselves when no one around them gets it. The thing that inspired me the most now is hearing about the kids with alopecia sharing their condition with not just their class, but their entire school. This really seems to help them and is something I wish I could have done had it been acceptable at the time. There are so many young people with alopecia who have amazing attitudes. Second to that, I'm always happy to see another bald lady come to terms with her condition and go au naturel, as someone once put it.
We still have a long way to go before people stop assuming we're chemotherapy patients or understand that bald can be attractive too, and that is why I will always do everything possible to put us on the fast track to awareness and acceptance. Says Galena, To be free, comfortable, confident, happy, and striving in self-acceptance. That's why I decided to be boldly bald. Be who you are. Never allow anyone to step into your shoes with their opinions of how your life should pan out. Joe says, I decided to be boldly bald, to be free, comfortable, confident, happy, and striving in self-acceptance. Be who you are. Never allow anyone to step into your shoes with their opinions of how your life should pan out. Galena says, nothing prompted me. It's a process. I received a great amount of encouragement from family, co-workers, and friends. Other alopecians on alopeciaworld.com has been instrumental to my self-acceptance and courage to go out bald in public. I'm not embarrassed when I'm bald in public, but there are times when I'm painfully self-conscious. Sometimes I feel like I'm floating. I found out that was a symptom of anxiety. Caitlin says, for Catholics, Lent is the beginning of when you give up something. You make a sacrifice. I realized that I was holding on to the fear of being rejected and being vulnerable because I was bald and hid behind my wigs. I realized that I needed to give up that fear. April said, The level of discomfort, especially in the summer, and photos of women who do not wear head coverings and are so beautiful, encouraged me to live life as a boldly bald woman. Willow says, my spiritual teacher encouraged me to begin my path without my wig. She encouraged baby steps. Since I hardly ever went out, I could start with a kerchief. One afternoon I thought I'd take a walk around my neighborhood bareheaded and was shocked at how rude people truly are. I barely walked a kilometer and three people had made rude comments to me. Nice hair! Did you use a lawnmower to shave that? Do you really think that haircut makes you look good? I was heartbroken, but my very wise child said to me, Don't let them stop your progress, Mom. Hang in there. They're just jerks, and you're going to always have a few jerks. My daughter buzzed off all her hair in support of me and kept saying, It's just hair, Mom. No wonder she is so often my inspiration. After that, I would dress pretty and go for a walk at our lake, which has a boardwalk. I tried to feel like a million dollars and was actually treated well, as people did stare, but I tried to tell myself it was because I looked good rather than bald. Sandy says, When I first lost my hair, I refused to wear a wig because I felt that would admit defeat to the disease. But after a year when my hair didn't grow back, I began to wear them. However, they were hot and itchy, especially in the summertime. I was searching on the internet one night to see if there were any new developments and treatments for alopecia and came across the website alopeciaworld.com. Through this networking site, I found so many other people with my condition. I found out I wasn't alone in this world. Some of the friends I made there go out bald-headed, and I gained a lot of courage from those ladies. It took eight full years to come to full acceptance of alopecia. It started after the birth of my youngest daughter. You see, it was one of those 2 a.m. feedings. As she was dozing in my arms, I thought about how everything happens for a reason. I remembered someone once telling me that I am God's creation, and as such, I am beautiful. I realized that I really hated my bald appearance, and that is a terrible way to feel about myself. 
That night I bowed my head and prayed for God to forgive me for being embarrassed by my appearance. I truly believe everything happens for a reason. From that moment on, it was a slow, inward process of accepting myself as I am. I remember going outside without my head covered for the first time. I actually had to consciously give myself permission to do so. Now, I love being unique, and I celebrate the person I am created to be. On my eighth anniversary of hairlessness, I put my wigs aside and decided that God made me bald for a reason. I don't have any idea what that reason could be, but I finally chose not to hide my bald head anymore. And boy, wig-free is a comfortable way to be. Before alopecia, I saw myself as quiet. I was shy and timid and very nervous about talking to people. A true introvert who didn't like to go out in public. Since accepting my alopecia and becoming a boldly bald woman, I have become much more outgoing. Now I see myself as someone who can handle just about anything that comes my way. I think that others see me as strong, especially once they see that I'm happy with myself. I am happy being bald. I celebrate my uniqueness. So even if they found a cure for alopecia now, I wouldn't take it. I like me the way I am. I want you to know that in spite of starting off with alopecia, sad, scared, and embarrassed to be bald, I talk to you today happy and strong and proud to be the person I am. Alopecia universalis has not been the end, but a brand new beginning for me. And joy really does return in the morning. Life is good, hair or no hair. Sharon shares, I had enough of the restrictions that came with wig wearing. I have an active lifestyle. I felt ready to ditch my comfort blanket and grow up as an alopecian. I am what I am. My partner was instrumental in giving me the courage to be just me and my daughter was also full of encouragement. She gave her English class a presentation on alopecia, and I felt incredibly proud. Says Mary, When my alopecia began to progress rapidly, I became very depressed, cried a lot, and constantly checked my head for expansion of the bald areas. I began to move forward only when I shaved my head. Shaving gave me control, and I stopped worrying about losing my hair once it was all gone. I decided not to wear a wig simply because of the physical discomfort. I had too many experiences of having sweat run down my head under the wig and excess body heat. On more than one occasion, I ended up tearing the wig off in anger and crying. I feel strongly that not wearing a head covering and appearing in public bald is a feminist issue. Men with hair loss shave their heads and we see them everywhere. Bald men appear in fashion ads and in movies, and no one stares at a man because he's bald. Women should have the same choice to go bald that men do, and not be forced to endure hot and uncomfortable head coverings. Christine shares, It was very hard in my early years living with alopecia areata. I was in denial and avoided mirrors, and just hoped no one would notice it enough to point it out to me. I soon noticed that when people were talking to me, they were always looking at the balding part of my head. And my fiancé, now husband, brought it up in conversation one day. He could see it clearly because he's taller than I am. All this time I was just hoping it wouldn't get noticed. I just got tired of obsessing about it. My fiancé and I were living and working in Yellowstone National Park, the most beautiful place on earth, and all I could think of is my hair loss. I told myself this had to stop. I wanted to shave it off. Out of sight, out of mind. My release set me free and it worked. It felt so good. No hair. No need for so-called miracle products. Gone. Now I can be here in the present and enjoy my life. 
I am perfectly healthy. Good mind, good heart, okay body. It's a work in progress. But it's just hair. Turned out I felt kind of sexy. My fiancé was totally turned on by it. I'm happy. He's happy. Life is good. The list of reasons I decided not to wear a wig? 1. They itch. 2. I can spot a wig a mile and a half away. 3. Can't afford the expensive ones. 4. Doesn't fit my lifestyle. 5. If I'm bike riding and the wind decides to blow really hard and blows the wig off my head, I'm not the type to turn around and go after it. 6. Same goes for hiking. 7. I enjoy driving fast and feeling the wind on my face. Can't do this while wearing a wig. 8. Requires too much maintenance and hair products again. 9. I'm happier without one. 10. I'm planning on starting a revolution of bald men and women and cats and dogs and all other hairless animals. Viva la bald! The revolution has already started. Boldly bald women proves it. I hope you enjoyed the stories of these women who decided to ditch the wig and embrace their boldly bald look. The world is changing and we can make it change for the better when we stand up and accept ourselves for where we are. Thank you for joining me today. See you next time. Thank you for listening to Boldly Bald Women, surviving and thriving in a hair-obsessed world. If you've enjoyed this program, please leave a rating and review on iTunes. To find out more about Boldly Bald Women and receive a free gift from Pam, please visit www.boldlybaldwomen.com.